Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. I am so delighted you joined me today. Each week, I bring you an outstanding guest from all over the United States and around the world, as a matter of fact, on this very special weekly podcast. Let your family and friends know about it, and I pray it will be a blessing. It's seen not only on the Charisma Network, but also on the Oral Roberts Ministry Network. And today, my very special guest is my good friend and longtime friend, Mike French from right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mike, God bless you, and welcome to the podcast. Wow, it's good to be here. Thank you, Richard. Richard, you're beautiful. I see Jesus. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Mike. I believe he is in me, and I thank God that you see it. Praise God. Mike, take us on a little bit of a tour, how you got involved in the ministry. I, I, I know, of course, I know you and I know the history, but there are people watching that might not know uh, how Mike French came up in the ministry. Absolutely. Well, my father was a church planter. And um, he would plant churches when they would get up somewhere between 100 and 200. He would then help them organize, and he would go to another city. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, my mom and dad were on a constant adventure, almost an adventure into the heart of God. And let my sister and I, we never moved anywhere that our opinion was not asked for, uh, but we knew what their opinion was. So we usually <laughs> repeated it. <laughs> uh, and... From it, um, uh, life was really, it, it wasn't difficult like most people would see because my dad was also a gifted worker, had the ability to make funds and money and construction and those types of things quickly. So he would, he would work about two months a year and he would, and my mother would, plant, would uh, pastor the church during those two months. And then my dad would come in on Sundays and preach and the rest of the time. Um, by the time I was a teenager, I loved God deeply, but I thought I was missing a party, uh, which happens, I think, to a lot of preacher's kids, and, um, and began to literally chase after the world. I think with all my, no, no, without a doubt, God called me to, in the ministry when I was five. But At five teenage, years of age? Five years At, of age. You knew but it, but you, did you put it on the side and say, well, maybe someday? Yeah, somewhere around 12. I really love business. I love politics. Uh, I have an opinion about everything, which we <laughs> know. but um, uh, and from it, I began getting involved in politics, and that world is um, easier to understand than the faith life. Uh, it's easier to understand the check is there at the end of the week. And when I was 18 years of age, I was attending Middle Tennessee State University, where uh, there was a coach by the name of Ken Tricky in those days. Uh, I was not right with God, and uh, I went to a meeting. Uh, uh, it was on Thanksgiving Day of 1968 in the Hume Fog Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, and the preacher preached a very good message. I sat there uh, on the weekends singing in church during the week living at college and doing whatever I wanted, and um, the guy gave a great invitation, but when he finished, I was going, well, I'm glad that's over, and then he said, but there's one more here, <laughs> and he said, we the altar of the night, and and this is a strange thing he said. He said, everyone here thinks he knows God, but he's not right with God. And I lifted my head up out of six, 700 people there. He pointed his finger right at me and said, you. God said, I've spoken to you since you were young. Mm -hmm. You either obey me or I won't speak to you again. It was very clear. Wow. And I ran, down, I ran down to the altar. I didn't say God be merciful to me a sinner, which I said. <laughs> I, I said, God, I'll preach. And these are the words that came out of my mouth, even though I, I know I'm going to starve to death. I, my, my mom and dad were godly people. And I, I watched their lives. They were dedicated to God. 
And in many ways, they, they were not judgmental. They were not legalistic. They didn't carry a lot of the things that spirit-empowered people did of those days. But I just didn't think I could live up to it at all. Matter of fact, when I stood up and turned around, there was someone there asking me to preach the next Sunday. Wow. So you, you accepted it from that moment on? Yes, from that moment on and began to grow in God's grace. And um, uh, uh, those early days, you, you know, when I look back at those days, your dad, I could tell you who the leaders were in the world. And I was just a church planner's kid. Mm-hmm. Today, God has raised up so many people because of your dad and so many people in you, Richard for what God has done around the world. There, there's so many great leaders on this planet right now. It's impossible for any one person to know who all of them are. You know, it's amazing you'd say that. Uh, some years ago, I had a, a major healing crusade in Nairobi in Kenya. And uh, on the last night, we had almost 200,000 people, largest crowd I've ever ministered to in my life. But before the crusade began, I had a pastor's breakfast. And there were about 50 of the leading pastors from Nairobi that came to this uh, private breakfast with me and I was sharing with them about the upcoming crusade and I went around laying my hands on all of them, praying over them and I I said to them, uh, how many of you were a part of my father's crusade back in 1968? And there were 28 of 50 pastors who said they gave their hearts to the Lord in my dad's 1968 crusade. Now this was in 2010, almost more than 30, 40 years earlier when my dad had that crusade, those 28 out of 50 gave their hearts to the Lord in that time. Thank God for those leaders. Those leaders are are gone now, mostly in heaven, but their works do follow them, Mike. Oh yes, absolutely. And, and the, and if you if you hung out with them, which it's obviously you did, uh, just they were people that literally lived what they preached. They walked it every day. Uh, it, it was extraordinary to just as a kid to watch and and to to watch their lives. And even at seventy one and preaching fifty four years, still tried to keep up with them. <laughs> well, I remember many of those great leaders being in our home and yes. being with them in their meetings because tagging along with my dad when I was a boy, uh, I just, I met all those people. Now, I, I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know who they all were because I was just a little boy, but I was with them. And then, then as I grew up, I, I became, uh, you know, I got to know them better. And of course, and I became not only admirers, but they became mentors in my life. Mike, who has been, who have been some of the mentors in your life? Those that have spoken into your life to help you get from where you were to where you are today as an evangelist traveling all over the world. Um, there are two names that I will give you. One there was a day when almost everyone would have known him and no one today knows him. And I understand he's still alive. And his name is Jimmy Snow. Yes. And when he was young, he was probably one of the greatest altar call givers that I've ever known. And when I was first started in the ministry, my dad knew him and Jimmy invited me to preach on the nights in his meetings that he had to be home in Nashville Mm -hmm. at his own church. But during the week I'd watch him give invitations. Mank, maybe the only man I've ever heard who could preach an hour and a half to two hours every night. And he <laughs> kept coming back in bigger crowd. I, I've never had that gift. But it, it was very strange in that every night, and it was, it, was, it was a young 19-year-old learning the voice of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit would give me a number. 
And in the crowd, you would go, it wasn't huge numbers like we see today. Sometimes it would be 34. And I knew that that audible call wasn't going to end until there were 34 people standing there while Jimmy was giving the invitation. And what it was teaching me personally was to learn the voice of God, to know how long to tarry. Uh, you know, some people are too short and others don't know when to quit. It's just to keep going and you need to go. You missed your point a few minutes ago. Uh, that his influence in my life and my dad connecting me to him, uh, 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 being in the back of, he used to drive that, they used to have that limo and you'd be in the back with he and his wife and others. And, and in those days, I didn't even realize that most of those people were famous, uh, treated me like, they didn't treat me like a son, they treated me like a younger brother, uh, snuck me into the Grand Ole Opry, all sorts of stuff. And so that, his name today, almost no one knows, but the best maybe the best at giving a personal invitation to Christ to anybody. Now, are there others? Tommy Barnett. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And, and in the early days, because of the gifting that I have of being literally an evangelist and a revivalist, is my hungers for souls. Uh, uh, something that every day, Marsha and I began to practice. Those of you who are listening, when you're listening to the news, quit listening to how many people died. And every time, like, like today in Russia, they talked about a thousand deaths. I talk about a thousand souls. You know, when you begin to listen every night to the news, and instead of hearing deaths, you hear 400 souls passed into eternity. It changes COVID. It changes everything about it. And, and of course, I, I don't think there's anybody who affected the kingdom of God more than your dad. I, you know, I, Billy Graham, all of it. But in my world, watching every day, watching ORU, um, one of the things in the paradigm of life is you have to have someone who changes how you see the world. You know, if, if like I was 12 years old before I was ever in a crowd at a, at a spirit empowered church, Pentecostal church that had over a hundred people. And then one day you're watching on TV, this guy called Oral Roberts <laughs> and you're a kid. He's got meetings and there are thousands and he believes what you believe. Yeah. He believes in healing. The thing that my, I didn't understand why when I was sick, my parents laid hands on me and prayed for me. You know, I thought, well, all the other kids got to go to the doctor. They got a sucker. I got well. <laughs> when you talk to leaders and, and the privilege of things that I get to deal with today, they still connect with Oral Roberts' ministry and all of that. And, and uh, I thank your family for it. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, I know um, of your passion for Russia. You mentioned Russia a moment ago. Uh, and before I ask you this question, I want to tell you something that I don't really remember if I ever told you this or not, but it was back in the early 1960s when Khrushchev was in power uh, in, in the Soviet Union. And my father was able to make a trip to Moscow and ministered to underground churches and groups of pastors there. And while he was there, now this is the early 1960s, I was just a teenager, but I remember very well when he went, he came home and he said, son, God showed me while I was there that the door to the Soviet Union is going to open wide and the gospel is going to be able to get in like never before. And we have seen that happen, and you have been the beneficiary of that a lot in your ministry. Can you share a little bit about your passion for Russia, how many times you've been there, where you've preached, uh, what, what's, what's happened there, and what's happening now? Absolutely. Um, 
I went to Russia at the invitation of Book of Hope and the Russian government in 1992 in March to a city called Irkutsk, which is the major city in Siberia. Um, uh, within 24 hours, I'd been given the privilege to meet with the mayor. And matter of fact, I think all of the major mayors of all of the major cities in Siberia, I was invited in and there was this meeting and uh, I sat there uh, very nervous. I was 42 years of age. Uh, all I'd heard about Russia from the time I was born, from the, the raids when we'd hide under the desk because the Russians were coming. And, uh, and, and we began this conversation to this very gracious, polite human being. And he welcomed me, uh, told me I would be the first person that would be openly allowed to, to preach about Jesus in his city. And I, I said to him, and, and this is the statement why I've been to the former Soviet Union 130 times and the number of stories, but this statement changed my world. And I, I said to him, I said, is there any way we can help you? One of the number one things is most of us, when we go to governments, we want something from them. Yes. Very, very few people understand if you go and say to a government, how can I help you? They almost don't know what to do with you. And so I, I said to him, I said, can we help you with food? Can we help you with medicine? Please let me know. You've got to understand in 1992, the shelves in Moscow were empty. There were bread lines. It was very difficult. I remember. It, it wasn't necessarily that way in Siberia. Siberia, because of all that it has from fruits and crops from the south all the way to the Antarctica, you know, all the way to the North Pole, excuse me. When you, and I, he said to me, we have plenty of food. We have enough medicine for at least six weeks. These are the words that changed my life. He said, my people are starved for God. Mm. I, it so shook me that I wanted to cry mm. and I knew it was inappropriate. Have you ever bit your lip? Oh, yes, many times. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sitting here. I have a 17-year-old interpreter who basically knows slang English. <laughs> I've had those too. <laughs> and, and I'm talking to leaders. And then he says to me, I'm going to give you my city. I'm giving you the sports arena. I'm giving you the newspapers. I'm giving you the TV. Pastor French, what do you need? I want to help you. And over the next week, we were we literally, not me personally, but I had a team of over 40 people. We were in every school from the smallest. Um, it... Uh, in that area, then there was a little church. The church was so backward that out of the 5,000 people that came forward and signed cards, about 500 showed up at the church the next week that had about 30. They literally locked the door of the church and went out and told the people they weren't saved to go home. Mm. In that area today, there are 32 churches in a Bible school. Praise God. You know, um, since then, I've been to not just Russia, but all the nations of the former Soviet Union. I've been there 130 times. Uh, we've done Christmas outreaches, Easter outreaches. We've done television celebrations. Uh, one of the things that I've learned is you can reach a lot, a lot of people when you're on TV. And one of the things that TV does above everything else, podcasts, all this, is when unbelievers who have friends or family who are believers they would never go in the room because they're told all these wild, weird things. But the moment they see you through this medium, through video, or listening to you on a podcast, they'll go, well, I want that. That's a part of my life. 
And, and that's what had to be done because the spirit-empowered community, the Pentecostal church was so underground. They not The world not only needed to see these are good people, they needed to see each other. They needed to understand each other. Today, in the former Soviet Union, in the nation of Russia, when I began it in 1991, there were 61 churches. Today, there are 4,400 registered churches. Praise God. Growing and multiplying. And we're believing God for 10,000 spirit-empowered churches in the nation of Lord, Russia. Lord, let it be. Let it let be. Let it be. And let the, it be. And the last part of that, was, please pray for them. Yes. You, you share with them Jesus, and they'll give their lives. They, they, they will lay down their lives. They, it, what I love about Russians is if you help them, they, they'll, give, they'll give four times more than you ever dreamed possible. They, they just step up. It's like the moment they see the vision, they, they're intelligent people. They're a highly educated population. Uh, yes, they face many challenges, even the weather. Can you imagine the winter weather there? I've been there many times, 40 below. <laughs> well, I've only been there twice, but I, I saw what you saw uh, preaching both in Moscow and up in St. Petersburg. And I remember one night in St. Petersburg, it was so cold it was in the winter. It was so cold outside and yeah. the, the building we were in did not have heat. And uh, mm. I, I preached in long handle underwear and as every piece of clothing I had, plus an overcoat, plus a gloves and a scarf. And the, the building was jammed with people. And when I gave the altar call, they came rushing to the platform to give their hearts to Christ. So I saw what you've seen in, in a small microcosm. And I thank God for that. Mike, what's up, what's up next for you? I know you've got a, a trip coming up to France and you've got a trip coming up to Brussels and other places, but what's, what's in the future for you? God is beginning to break through in France, uh, something most people would never comprehend. Only one out of 27 people in France have ever seen a Bible. I'm not saying touched a Bible, held a Bible. I'm saying seen a Bible. It is one of the most untouched places in the world. But God is opening doors. People there are changing and transforming. The culture is different. They're still French. Even those who come from other nations within the third or fourth generation, they're just as French as the French. I love France. I love the food. I love the people. I've probably been in Paris over 75 times. Paris is, uh, has been open. Well, to you've got a good name for going to France. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine me, Mike French in France. <laughs> um, MLK was started a few years ago with a powerful. But you had man. a part in that. You He's had a part in that opening of that church. Yeah. When, whenever I think I was their first guest speaker. And uh, they were running 30 or 40. They rented a library. You know, I, I love talking about, about huge crowds, but sometimes things happen in small <laughs> places. And they had, they had about 75 in the library that day. The pastor was, their, I think, their largest crowd ever. And uh, I, I don't remember, probably 15, 20 people came to Christ sitting at lunch that day. I remember the pastor crying. And he said, you, you, he said, in the little church I grew up in, we didn't see two people saved in 10 years. And he says, I know those people. Most of them have never been in church in their lives. And uh, uh, there, there, there are some extraordinary churches that are coming. Well, out now that church is again. more than 2,000, isn't it? Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I'm going to Brussels, and I'll be, uh, one of the nights I'll be at the Christian Center there in Brussels with Pastor, Pastor Daniel Costanza. Pastor Daniel is one of the main influencers of the spirit-empowered movement of all mm. of Europe. 
on the board has led that movement. He called me a few months ago. We had a Zoom meeting. And, and I, I was expecting him to invite me to come and speak at his church. And he said, Brother Michael, I've done my research. I've known about you for years. Um, uh, one of the few times I've ever turned somebody down, but we, we didn't completely. He said, uh, do you realize how much Europe needs a move of God? He said, we need an evangelist, but we need a revivalist. We need someone who can come into all of these many churches. That It's not that they're old line legalistic. It's just the fact that they are not up to date. They, they, they're, they're dying, and they were once large churches. And then he said, would you consider moving to Europe for 18 months and letting me schedule you everywhere? And I, and I said to him, I said, that would be difficult on me because of some physical things that my wife faces. And I said, but I'll, I'll begin to come maybe every 90 days for 10 days. And so when I go to Brussels, I mean, he, I, it's like seven to nine times in five days in five different cities. It's like, well, you're young, oh, Mike. You're oh. young. You can handle it. <laughs> I have so had a burden for Europe. And, and Europe is this extraordinary place. You know, great food, decent beds. You, you don't have to worry much about security. So at times I feel guilty even thinking about it. But the reality of it is, if there will be, and I believe with all of my heart that God is bringing a supernatural awakening to Europe. And, and, I, and I don't think there's enough time just for the new ones. There is this new youth movement there that's extraordinary. It's, it's powerful. But if we're going to see a harvest of hundreds of thousands, millions of souls come into the kingdom. Uh, we're going to need men and women, red, yellow, black and white, young and old. Uh, yeah, Every, uh, I I believe that that promise in the book of Acts is for a spiritual awakening yes. for the entire church, a generational awakening where generations work together. Um, uh, uh, I've been very transparent about this. The average person that comes to hear me speak now is under the age of 35. I'm confused, but I don't want to stop coming. <laughs> That's wonderful. Mike, your, your enthusiasm is infectious. And I, I feel the spirit of God coming through you when you talk, even when we, you and I talk on the phone from time to time, uh, or when we're out somewhere together, because uh, we've been friends a long time. I always feel that same spirit coming from you, and I thank God for that. And I want you to know that I and many others that are watching this will be praying for you on this upcoming trip, because I believe what you said concerning Europe. Europe is almost untapped for the gospel yeah. and it's been, it's been left yes. out. And uh, we have focused yes. on other areas of the world. We focused on Asia, we focused, focused on the Middle East, we focused on Russia, we focused on uh, the islands of the sea and Central America and, and South America and Africa particularly. But we must not forget yes. continental Europe. And I thank God that he's called you to that area and that you're going to do that. Uh, Mike, before we close, would you pray a prayer over people who are hurting or in need right now? And then after you do, I'll pray. Absolutely. Father, the spirit of anxiety has attacked this planet. There is such a troubling spirit of worry and frustration that sees no solution. And now that's slowly infected the body of Christ, and by your power and by your grace today, I speak the name of the Prince of Peace. Jehovah, you are God. Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, you are my God. 
and by your power and by your grace, you have given us the ability to walk in agreement and to speak the word that would change the atmosphere where we are and release your prophetic anointing in the future. Lord, I proclaim today over these extraordinary people who are listening to my friend, Richard Roberts, whom I love. I bless he and his wife. I bless his family. I bless their ministry. But to everyone listening, Lord, let them feel you wrap your arms around them. I speak peace, peace that goes beyond all understanding, guarding their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And Lord, I ask you that even if they cannot see the solution, that they will begin to sense in their heart the security that their faith in you gives birth to. God, you're on the throne. You haven't abdicated the throne. You are alive and you have never lost a battle. And because of you, we are prevailing in grace and winning and walking in victory. I bless you today in the name of Jesus. And I set my faith with Mike's prayer, especially for you. If you're listening today or watching or both in the authority of the name of Jesus, I send the word of God to you. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 20 that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction in the same way that Mike prayed over that almost dispassionate uh, fear and worry and anxiety that's running around rampant through our country and infecting people around the world. I speak the word of healing to that in Jesus' name. Satan, I bind you by the authority of Jesus' name. And I pray for healing to come into your life and for a knowledge that we are we are living in a place where we're able to worship God according to our according to our beliefs. And we are able to lift up the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name named in heaven and earth. And at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Lord, bless my friend, Mike French. His, not only his upcoming trip, but his life, his dear wife, Marcia, his family. We didn't have time to get into that on that. And Mike, I want you to come back and share the story about your son. One of these days. It's a tremendous story. We'll take a whole program on that. But I pray over you for traveling mercies, for the angels of the Lord to encamp about you, to keep you safe from harm, danger, accident, injury, pilfering, theft, hijacking, and terrorism. And I plead the precious shed blood of Jesus over you and also over those of you watching and listening today in the authority of Jesus' name. He's right. God has not fallen off the throne. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has miracles with your name written on them. In the authority of Jesus' name, I pray this and I lift you up. So be encouraged today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, Mike. <laughs> awesome faith. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with me as my guest today. You're welcome. God bless. And God bless you. Have a safe trip and know that we'll be praying for you as you go. And join me next week on Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts for another outstanding guest. See you then. If you would like to support this or other outreaches of this ministry, please go to oralroberts.com. We believe when you give to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, your giving will be abundantly multiplied back to you according to God's word in Luke 6, 38.